Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. Unless you live alone on an island, you have a relationship with someone. It may be a family member, it may be a friend, co-worker, neighbor, or just someone that you meet casually. Today we're going to continue our series on relationships. We're talking about a marriage relationship. We're talking about sexual abuse among family members between a brother and a sister that we'll see in Scripture. We'll also look into adultery and sexual immorality as well. All of these happen in the realm of relationships. So get your Bible, lean forward, and enjoy these messages on family relationship. Hopefully, you will find them a blessing in your life. God has a perspective on that, so join us as we take a walk in the light of God's Word. That man had no thoughts of ill intentions about you until he saw what you were wearing or what you weren't wearing. What is it that made him stop and take a look at you? And what you're wearing or the lack of what you're wearing will often ignite something in a person, in a man, even when he had no intentions of that being ignited. And as I thought about that, I said, oh yeah, my, the light came on. I said, I see why we make people wear choir robes. Because all the choir members don't know how to dress. And the man is trying to worship. And they'll tell me sometimes, Pastor, you need to say something to them, them people up there because I'm trying to worship. But I'm like David on the rooftop. I came to worship and I found myself watching. Where's the choir sit? I'm going to look over here. <laughs> That's just a matter of fact. You didn't come to church to do that, but I'm sure Bathsheba didn't say, I'm going to go out right now and I'm going to take a bath outside so I can see what can happen. She didn't have a bathtub inside. So for David, that was the unexpected, sudden urge driven by lust. Then there was the power and opportunity for its gratification. Then there was the entertainment of the fantasy which forms images and expectations. One writer wrote this statement and said, there is a black spot, though it is no bigger than the beam in the eye, that spot is in every soul, which if once set a working will overcloud the whole man in darkness. And something very like madness will hurry him into the night of destruction. So what did David do? The word tells us in verse 3. And David sent someone to find out about her. Now he's going to take action. He sent someone. I wondered, who did he send? One of my attendants, one of my servants. What did he say to her? I'm thinking about if he asked me to go and find out about her. I'm thinking, what do you want to know about her? The man said, isn't she Bathsheba? the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. David didn't set out to commit such an obvious sin, and people seldom do. At first, his inquiry discovers that he didn't know this woman's identity, and he didn't know her marital status. 
He sent somebody to find out about her. He found out her name. She is Bathsheba. He found out her kinfolks. That's Eliam's daughter. You know Eliam. And he found out about her availability. She is Uriah's, the Hittite's wife. Now, had she been unmarried, it would have been very convenient and easy for the king to get another wife. And he could have just asked her and brought her in. That would not have been improper in that culture. By the time he learned she was married, David already had let the lust get his hooks in his heart. And his lustful desires outweighed his good sense and his integrity. Unbridled lust can do that to a person. And somebody may say, well, why am I listening to this story of David and Bathsheba? And the reason you need to listen to it real closely is because you at any moment can be David or you at any moment can be Bathsheba. Or you might be okay right now, but you don't know what and when and how things could change. By this point, it's apparent that David's intentions had shifted and he had taken interest in Bathsheba as a wife. He was planning to do that and take her as a wife, but since she's already married, he changed strategic plans and decided he would just hook up for a one-night stand. So David sent messengers to get her Verse 4 says, and she came to him, and look at what, just one sentence. David sent a messenger to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. I wonder, did he just say, hey, so how you doing? What's your name? Tell me a little bit something about yourself. I mean, he got right down to business. David sent a messenger to get her. She came to him. And he slept with her. It didn't say he decided just to check her out and visit with her for a while, decide he's going to get back with her a little later, maybe we ought to meet again sometimes. But he's the king. He don't have to have no rap. The king don't rap. The king just roll. <laughs> Let's get past the small talk. And then there's a comment in this verse. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. That is put in there so that the reader can understand that she was not pregnant when she got there. She purified herself from her uncleanness. And she had come through that season of the month. And so that it can't be noted that she was already pregnant. He slept with her, then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, I am pregnant. We have seen this crime that he commits against the law of the Lord, and now we're going to see the cover-up. I am pregnant. She sent word to him. Now, if he's like some of the people that today, they just said, all right, why are you telling me? But it didn't work like that back then. 
her husband come home and he'd been gone to war and she's pregnant that she could be killed. When you find out who was the perpetrator, even though he's the king, he could be disgraced, lose honor among his folks. David again goes into some strategic planning. David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. And I don't know about this, but every time you hear the name Uriah, they put the Hittite on it. He was not a Jew from Israel. And I don't know if that sparked anything in David or not. He ain't one of us. He a Hittite. What are you doing with this woman? I just thought I'd throw that in there. And David said, I know Uriah is out fighting the war. He's out there with Joab. Joab, send Uriah here. Uriah came to him. David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. So how's everything going, Uriah? How's Joab? How's the war? Tell me about what's going on. Then David said to Uriah, why don't you go home and wash up, relax, enjoy the evening. So Uriah left the palace and the gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all the master's servant and did not go down to his house. So David is watching and strategizing and says, Uriah, come home, have a little something, tell me about the war, go on, and then you go on home and enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Wash up. Now this is a man who's coming off the battlefield. This is a man who has a beautiful wife. This is a man who's also wondering why'd he call me off the battlefield? He could have asked anybody how Uriah is, uh, how Joab is doing. He could ask anybody how the war is going on. I'm not one of his generals. I'm not one who reports to him. I'm not the secretary of state. I'm not the minister of defense. Why he call me? And ask me how things are going. And this was also a man who did not go home. I wonder if he could smell a rat. When David was told that Uriah did not go home, he asked him, is it bring him back over here? Uriah, uh, I heard you didn't go home last night. Haven't you come from a distance, from a long place off? Have you come from a, a, the war zone? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, the ark of Israel and Judah are staying in tents out there on the battlefield. And my master Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open field. How could I go home and eat and drink and lie with my wife while everybody else is out there fighting? I, I can't go home. I can't go home and do that. I can't go home and lie with my wife. I can't go home and enjoy myself with pleasure while everybody else is out there fighting. I can't do such a thing. David said, mm. Now he got to regroup. This man's not going home. Hmm. 
Then David said to him, stay here one more day. Then I'll send you back tomorrow. The Bible said, so Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And at David's invitation, he ate and drank with him. Let's have a little party. And David made him drunk. Let's get him drunk. I know what he's going to do when he get drunk. <laughs> he's going home. He get drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. And David said, what is wrong with this dude? That's what he said in the King James Version. What is wrong with this dude? He won't go home. No wonder Bathsheba is bathing out there on the rooftop. Her husband has got some issues. This is Jerry G. Martin, and thanks once again for joining us for this broadcast. We've been sharing with you messages on relationships, and I want you to continue to join us as we talk about marriage relationships, we talk about single relationships, we talk about, we're talking about inappropriate sexual abuse between a sister and a brother, we're talking about adultery and sexual immorality. All of these has to do with relationships. I want you to know that God is interested in our relationships and how we live and how we represent Him in everything we do. If you would like to hear today's message in its entirety, you can go to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. Again, that's The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin, and you can listen to these messages or previous messages that we have aired on this broadcast. And I also invite you to go to our website at lowcf.org. Again, that's lowcf.org. And then join us in person on Sundays. God is moving in a significant way. Pastor Jackie is bringing the Word of God. And so join us at 10 o'clock Sunday mornings at 16161 Old Humble Road. And don't forget about the Beacon Bookstore. You may need communion supplies, Bibles, or study resources, or anointing oil. Come and see us at the Beacon. It's right here on our campus. Call the Beacon now at 281-441-2885. That's 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.